Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number one professional wrestling radio show in Las Vegas. This is the Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. Filled with wrestling news, entertainment, and lots of Sin City surprises from inside the squared circle. Now, let's bring on the tag team of Andrew Fishbane, Joe DeFalco, and your host, Mark Hoke. All right, everyone, it is our number two of the Mark Hoke Show on KDON 101.5 FM, 728 for, well, actually the last time because the signal's going away, so don't forget about that, guys. We're going to be exclusively on the FM side of the dial starting at the end of the month, which is only a couple of days away, so... Make sure you next have, week. Yep. So make sure you have your dials set. Uh, do the anybody use dials anymore? Actually, I think I have a dial in my car. I think I still have a dial. Yeah. Yeah. Are you Brian's thinking about this? No, nah, I don't. Right, yeah. right dial for the volume <laughs> for uh, from Las Vegas Wrestling Scene dot com. Unbelievable site covering the local Las Vegas wrestling scene. I mean, if you want to know what's going on in professional wrestling in Las Vegas. It's your spot, right, Brian? I think so. Yeah, yeah I would yeah. say. And of course, Joe DeFalco from Future Stars of Wrestling. If you want to see the best independent scene pro wrestling in Las Vegas, it's not a bad choice to say the least. So make sure you go to fswvegas.com. Joe, how are you? Great. It's the only choice. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you know, there's there's backyard fights in my complex sometimes, you know, it's well, there you go. Big <laughs> we, 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 you know, people, we, we have impact in town, but uh, also Ring of Honor's doing tapings and Maserati's there, and we're hoping some more FSW talent, you know, getting seen worldwide. It's yep. great. There you go. So, once again, check out FSWVegas.com. And coming up here in about 15 ish minutes, we will be joined by a world wrestling entertainment legend. And I, don't, I, I wonder where you would put Sarge if you're ranking wrestlers in terms of what they did and the fame that they had. It's just unbelievable career for this man. Sergeant Slaughter will be joining us on the show and I cannot wait. And of course you'll be able to see Sarge at the Vegas toy show coming up here on March 4th and 5th at the Ahern convention center right here in Las Vegas. You can get some autographs, photo ops, Maybe if you pay him enough, he'll put you in the Cobra Clutch. I mean, I don't know. Or, or maybe you just make him mad, he'll do it too. I, I think with Sergeant Slaughter, when you talk about, you know, where he stands as an all-time wrestler, the fact is is that still, you know, decades after he's retired, people still know who he is. Kids know who Sergeant Slaughter is. Adults know who Sergeant Slaughter is. Uh, he is he's had a, a, a longevity well past his career where – it's just that to me is where you know how you know what your impact is in the business all time. Yeah, there's there's always a debate about Sarge of whether WWE should have gone with him instead of Hogan, and I, I heard a couple fights about that recently. Which you know, it's it, Sarge was hot. There was no question about it. I mean, I I remember. I mean, obviously, I got caught up in it when I was a kid. People love the guy. I mean, he, 
geez, he got in G.I. Joe. He had his own action figure and was a cartoon character on top of everything else that he did in pro wrestling. I mean, it was an amazing career for him, and uh, we're going to look forward to having him on the show in just a little bit, so make sure you stick around for that. Um, I wanted to, Guys, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, AEW Revolution coming up because we are now just uh, a week away getting ready for that one. Uh, that'll be on uh, next Sunday, and the card is starting to finally round out a lot of interesting stuff here. I mean, the, the promos with MJF against Brian Danielson are getting nastier and nastier. MJF uh, invoked Danielson's kids, which he did not appreciate. The starting another Donnybrook between the two of them. Uh, we've got Moxley and Paige. Moxley bled again on AEW. <laughs> that, What's new? Yeah, that's that's an interesting discussion, uh, maybe for another day. But, uh, yeah, Mox kind of caught a little flack for that in his match with Evil Uno. After, and Paige took him out. Uh, we got Samoa Joe and Warlow for the uh, TNT Championship. So that should be a pretty good hard-hitting match coming up. Uh, Chris Jericho and Ricky Starks. Those two uh, putting on some good promos as well as we're getting ready for those two to take on each other. Uh, Jamie Hayter, the women's champ, uh, gets Soraya and Ruby Soho, and that should be an intriguing matchup. Uh, we've also got the World Tag Team Championship is now a four-way tag team match between the Guns, the kind of shocking AEW champions, the acclaimed and Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal earned their way into this match this week. On Dynamite. So those guys aren't going away. And then we're waiting for the fourth participant. They will have a casino tag team royale to find out who the last team's going to be. Uh, and then we also get the Elite defending their six-man tag titles. Excuse me, their trios championships against the House of Black, which I think that's going to be a fun match. Guys, what do you think about this card at this point? This is This should be a lot of fun, I think. Brian, you got it's you. awesome. There's going to okay. be like 37 titles on the line. It's fantastic. Well, you know, I'm, you know, you, you still got to like the quality of wrestling. I think I think these are some pretty good matches. So, what do you think, Joe? I mean, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of of the guns at all. Uh, I see so many great talents not on the show, and somehow Jeff Jarrett's on as a wrestler every week. And, you know, I'm sitting at Impact and I'm talking with Scorpio Sky because they have nothing for him in AEW. And it's like, wow, there's so much talent. There's so many shows. But Lance Point, Miro, the, the list goes on and on of this great talent that's not there. And it's just, it, it's weird to me how, you know, Jeff Jarrett's come in and he was supposed to help run, you know, the live events. And, and he's like a mainstay wrestler already. And, and some of these great talents aren't being used. It's like, he, he wasn't even aware of some of the stuff. He's like, hey, what's going on with Pac? And it's like, yeah, he's finally back again. It's like, here's a guy making a ton of money. He's unbelievable. And yet, you don't really see Pac that much on the shows. And I just get disappointed watching great wrestlers not being able to be utilized. And they don't work elsewhere, and they're just sitting at home. And it's like, man, they got to figure that out. Yeah, I would agree with you. You know, you, you can't get everybody on the card with the, the roster that they have. And, and you know, the, the guns, I think, certainly a big surprise that they are the AEW champions. I, I would imagine you're probably setting up for the acclaim to regain the titles here, uh, get a nice pop, but 
you know, who knows? You, you know, J- it's, 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 you, just, know. you know, I mean, you bring up the, the Jeff Jarrett situation. And I do think it is somewhat surprising that Jarrett has been getting on as much as he has. I mean, and it's good. You know, I'm, I'm happy with him being with Jay Lethal. The Lethal's getting a shot on TV where he was kind of left yeah, hanging for a while. Yeah, there's another one. Like, like Jay Lethal needs Jeff Jarrett to get on TV. Like, it's that, that, that that's like mind blowing news to me. Like, why isn't Jeff Jarrett a star? I mean, uh, J- Jay Lethal, and it's like, oh, now he's with Jeff Jarrett. Now we're now we're gonna give him a push, and it's like, wow. I, you know, as a promoter, I, I look at things and, and I shake my head on on so many guys. It's like, man, I'd love to use some of those guys. Well, well, maybe we need to get you hooked up with Tony Khan. We'll take care of that. Maybe you know. Tell him to give me a call next time you talk to him. <laughs> I will be happy to do that. Um, and you know, I think I think this uh, this six man match that they put together uh, coming up is pretty intriguing too. Because I was looking at the betting odds on uh, uh, BetOnline.ag, and this is the tightest one of the group so far with the elite against the House of Black. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty interested to see how that match is going to go down. I I like this matchup. I really do. Anybody, Joe? Do you do you like this match? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Is Buddy is, is Buddy back with them now? Yep, Buddy Matt. It's it's Black King and okay. Matthews. Okay, you know, because again, they, they they had disappeared for a long time, and you know, the House of Black looked like they were getting a lot of steam, and then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, Malachi Black, he's going back to WWE with his wife, and he's taking time off, and it's, you know, you have no idea what's going on in those situations, and it's like, you know, that that would be a big win for the House of Black to like really get back into the mix. You know, if they lose, then it's like, okay, where do they go? So it, it's probably a match that they really need to win. What do you, What do you guys think of trios championships just as a whole? Do you think that's like too many titles? Like Joe, would you ever want a trios championship at FSW? We've talked about it, but we have we we have more than enough. It, it's yeah, it's it's really difficult. It's like you can't have an eight match show with six title matches. It 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 waters down mm-hmm. yeah. all the titles, and it's like the All Atlantic title and the TNT title and this title and that title. It's like you know hooks title. It's not even a real title. It was like just given through Taz that started with cage and the Ricky Starks and all these other guys. And it's like, it it becomes meaningless and titles are supposed to be extremely important. And, you know, I I guess it sounds great. Hey, I'm a champion. Like, you know, Jade Cargill. And it's like, but she's not even like the women's champion. She's the, the TNT TBS champion. I'm not sure. So I guess whatever channel they're on. And it's like, how come the undefeated champion never wrestles the actual women's champion? Like, isn't that supposed to be the marquee matchup? The one that's trying to break Goldberg's record? Like, to me, that's the marquee matchup, but she's busy wrestling, you know, AE Dark women. And it's like, uh, how many titles do you need? And the answer is, there's way too many. Well, thank God yeah, they got. I agree. Thank God they got Ring of Honor separated from that finally, because that was and that that was just getting ridiculous. That was too much. I mean, it was it, it literally was every every title, you know, every match seemed to be a title match for something, 
And you know, well, you just make Samoa him. Joe the Samoa Joe's the Ring of Honor TV champion. He shows up on TV and loses, but he doesn't lose the TV title. Yeah, because he's wrestling for the AEW title. Yeah, it, and it's like because he's an AEW champion, but it's a different title, and it's like it it becomes confusing, and you have like mm-hmm. no idea. It's like who's the champs now? I, I don't know. Yeah, you know the Jade Cargill thing. You know, once I you know I remember back in the day. You know, we're going to be headed to the '80s here pretty soon. When you had a guy like Randy Savage, who was the Intercontinental Champion, and you know Savage was stealing the show. And a, a lot of people really felt like, wow, you know, we got we got Hogan and we got Savage. I mean, who's who's the best in, in the WWF at the time? And, you know, it certainly created a lot of intrigue there. You know, sometimes if someone has a good run with that secondary title, it can really propel them, uh, you know, and be a great attraction. And that's one thing that I like that WWE is doing right now with Gunther is now the Intercontinental title feels like it means something again. You know, which which I think is pretty exciting. I mean, I hated the era where, you know, like the the IC title was just getting passed around like it was a a Pez dispenser. You know, it it, it the, they're they're doing a good job making those titles mean something in WWE. So, yeah, it, you know, it, it certainly is a, a definite argument for a lot of things going on with AEW. But that's part of the fun of being a fan. We get to debate about bookings and things like that. Well, I think what you were talking about with the Intercontinental title is there were only three belts then. Mm-hmm. The the world title, the Intercontinental, and the tag. So the belts, like Joe was, to Joe's point, you know, the belts me- meant so much more. That's why the IC title could get put over as much as it could. It was an important championship on a show. It could main event house shows. It could, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was great then. Yeah, I... You know, it, it was a big deal when Bret Hart won the Intercontinental mm-hmm. title because the, as a fan of uh, Bret Hart and, and someone who hated a Hulk Hogan, it was like if Bret Hart got the Intercontinental title, that means there was a good chance that he was going to get pushed to the, to, to the heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but you knew it was the secondary belt. You knew they were no threat to be the champion. You knew Ricky Steamboat, as Intercontinental Champion, was never going to you know, upstage or take away from being in the main event against the Hulk Hogan. And there was a structure in the way it was, but you knew those Intercontinental Champion, he was going to be a guy that, man, in the next year, that could be you know, the next guy with the rocket on him. Now it's like, well, you got the Intercontinental, and you got the United States, and then you got this. And it's like, in reality, those belts are now just props to say, hey, we got a non-title match, and whoever the champion is is going to lose. And and back then, the champion didn't lose. So that's what also made the belt special. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, Austin Theory is in a, no, a non-title match, so you can count on him losing that match. Well, to now wrestle the same guy for the title match. Yeah, it it's amazing how the dynamic has changed for sure. But one guy that held a championship and did it quite well and has broke Joe DeFalco's heart, I can tell, was Sergeant Slaughter. And when we come back, guys, we are going to be joined by the former WWE champion and Hall of Famer, Sergeant Slaughter. So stick around, everybody. The Sarge is coming up, and we will be right back.
Vegas Toy Show coming March 4th and 5th at the Ahern Hotel and Convention Center in Las Vegas. Vegas Toy Show features vendors and celebrities, including our friend Sergeant Slaughter. The WWF Hall of Famer will be joining the Vegas Toy Show. He's joined by Peter Cullen, Ron Perlman, Eric Estrada, and many more. Visit VegasToyShow.com for more celebrity guests presented by the Pop Chat, a House of Cars entertainment production. This is the Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. Here again, your host, Mark Hoke. Oh my God, guys. <laughs> oh, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. Oh, lordy, lordy, fellas. I I just got punked by the Sarge. That was amazing. But, wow. Well, welcome back to the Mark Hoke Show here on KDWN. Oh, man. I, I got to tell you, guys, I am so excited for this guest. Um, I You know what? I'm going to lead in with the story real quick. This guy was on my wall when I was a kid, when I first started re- watching wrestling. And back in, let's see, the date was September 7th, 1984. I got uh, some tickets to go to my first wrestling event as uh, as a wrestling fan. And uh, at the Hershey Park Arena, a few days, about then, uh, that'd be about nine days before my birthday. I was 13 years old. And this gentleman was at the Hershey Park Arena wrestling. I worked my way down to ringside, and I shook his hand when he came in. Started my love of professional wrestling. And I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am to be joined by our next guest. Because, like I said, he really was the one that put put the interest of wrestling in me. And I've been a fan ever since, since that 84 day. Want to welcome Sergeant Slaughter to the show. Sarge, how are you? There we go. Thank gotcha. you for such a wonderful introduction. Well, you're very welcome, sir. And uh, and, and seriously, I got to tell you, it was a uh, it was probably one of the most fun moments of my childhood getting to uh, getting to you know see you at Hershey Park Arena, and I know you did a lot of time there to say the least, but. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people of, of our generation feel that way about you, that, you know, they just absolutely adored you and, and you know, looked at you as a hero. And, you know, that, that must have been pretty cool being able to, you know, live that kind of life with people just looking at you as, you know, the patriot and the superstar and, you know, rooting for you against the Iron Sheik. And I, I can only imagine what that was like. Well, you know, I uh, originally came into uh, the professional wrestling business as basically the villain. And uh, so I finally made my way into the uh, WWF at that time. Vince McMahon Sr. was running the uh, the business at that time. And my first uh, run there, my first uh, tour of duty, I was the villain. And uh, he didn't want, uh, you know, especially a... Uh, a villain like myself, he didn't want you to be overexposed. So I was there for maybe eight months, and he said, Sarge, I need you to leave. And I said, did I do something wrong? And he goes, no, no. 
you've done everything right. I just don't want to overexpose you, so I want you to leave for a little while, and I'll give you a call when uh, it's time to come back, if you're ready to come back. I said, okay. So my second tour of duty, I, I went back up in 83, 84, and uh, we were out having uh, dinner, and uh, he and his his son, who uh, is the owner of the company today, and and a few other guys were sitting around, and, and uh, Mr. McMahon Sr. always called me Sergeant. He says, Sergeant, it's so good to have you back at, in the WWF and and the WWWF, and and uh, just I just love your your villain character, and he kept putting me over, put me over, put me over. I finally said. Well, Mr. McMahon, if you think I'm such a good villain, you ought to see me as a hero. And he went, what? No way. What do you mean, Sergeant Slaughter being a hero? What do you got in mind? (laughs) (laughs) So I said, well, I said, you've got the Iron Sheik wrestling here. Ayatollah Khomeini, uh, the Blackhawks going down, the murder of the uh, uh, Marines at the embassy, the hostage situation. I went through the whole thing, the hostage situation and... And he's like, yeah, agreeing with me and shaking his head, yes. And I said, why don't you let Sergeant Slaughter and the and the Marines get a payback? You know, nobody ever got to punch Ayatollah Khomeini right in the nose. He got <laughs> away with all that, you know. And he's going, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. And then he stopped himself. He says, oh, you almost got me there, Sergeant. You had me hypnotized there for a second. But no, no, you could never, ever be... Uh, a hero, you're villain. You're such a good villain. And I look over his shoulder, and there's uh, Vince McMahon, you know, Jr. agreeing, shaking his head, yeah, got his thumbs up, you know, and behind his dad's back. And his dad turned around and said, "Vinny, don't you ever turn the sergeant into a hero that only lasts for a little while." <laughs> oh no! And so, uh, so off they went, and and uh, the next time we did television, we're on our like third hour of television, and here comes Vince. You know he's getting ready to take over the company, so he goes, "Are you ready?" I said, "Ready? What do you mean ready? I'm born ready." He said, "To do do what you talked about last week at the bar, at the restaurant." I said, "Yeah, I'm ready. Whenever you're ready." He goes, "Well, let's do it." I said, "When?" He goes, "Right now." <laughs> Wow. I said, right now? He goes, yeah. I'm going to send the Iron Sheik and uh, Fred Blassie, who was Ayatollah Blassie, out to the ring. I'm not going to tell them that you're coming. He said, the only ones that are going to know it is myself, you, and the uh, people in the, in the production truck. So the Iron Sheik goes out and has this wrestling match, and he's taking on uh, some young uh, guy, and uh, Eddie Gilbert was his name. And right before Vince turns away, he goes, give me your best General Patton promo, Sarge. Give me your best General Patton promo. So I said, oh, okay. Here I got five seconds to figure out what I'm going to oh, say. good Lord. But back then, we, we had lived everything. We didn't have scripts. And and so when it was time, uh, the Iron Sheik was done beating on this poor kid and went to stop beating on him, and all of a sudden the Marine Corps uh, him started playing, and I'm looking at the monitor in the locker room, and I could read uh, Fred Blassie's lips, and he's going, "They're playing the wrong music. <laughs> They're <laughs> playing the wrong music." That's great. Not knowing that I'm coming out, you know. So here I come, and he's like, uh, he puts a smile on his face. He he knew something was up, and 
And so uh, he kept Derek Sheik and I apart. So I, I jump in the ring, make sure Eddie's okay, and get him out and grab the microphone. And I started doing my best general Patton promo. And I finally said, uh, you know, Irish Sheik, I declare war on you. And there's there's something I've done since I was a little boy at school and the Cub Scouts and the Boy Scouts and the Marine Corps. And I put my hand on my heart and started doing the Pledge of Allegiance. Well, everybody in that arena jumped up on their chairs and lit their lighters and they're doing the Pledge of Allegiance uh, along with Sergeant Slaughter. I'm telling you, uh, Mark, it was uh, it, it, it's taking the hair up on my, my arms right now. The uh, the way that I went from the, the the most hated villain from one from about five minutes before to that that point to the biggest hero in in professional wrestling. I mean, it was just an incredible thing, and people just latched onto it because they were sick and tired of you know people running down the United States, and I was there to to say no more. It really was a perfect storm when you think about it. Just where the yeah. where the country had been at the time, and 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 really, you know, people were kind of wanting to get that revenge. And you know, of course, you know, I was I was a kid. My my I had a lot of military in my family, and you know, that certainly caught on. And I, you know, I remember doing the I remember doing the pledge. Right, I'm sure yeah. I'm sure a lot of us do. I mean, it was it was absolutely incredible. And then, of course, led to that amazing boot camp match at Madison Square yeah. Garden, where you where you took care of the Sheik and. You know that that yeah. must have been incredible. You know, headlining Madison Square Garden like that with so many incredible talents have sold that place out, and people oh, still God. talk about that match as one of the most legendary matches in MSG history for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I get that all the time, and and uh, you know, I always took uh, flags with me whenever I uh, walked out to the ring and gave them to uh, to my fans, and and always did the Pledge of Allegiance after the match, and. And got everybody into it really big time. And I, I would say, you know, whoever brings the biggest American flag is going to get, you know, uh, a, you know, some type of, uh, you know, I'd say free tickets or whatever to the next matches. And there would be more flags than you could uh, hardly see, you know, uh, anybody else who was all flags. But that's the way, you know, they wanted it. And, of course, uh, shortly after that, Hasbro Toys, you know, they – Hasbro Bradley gives uh, a friend of mine a, a call, and who knows my attorney and, and my friend, and and they they're looking for a, a real life uh, character uh, spokesperson for GI Joe, and what better guy to to go off and and uh, fight Cobra but Sergeant Slaughter, you know? Oh, no so doubt. It all comes in, <laughs> never thinking in nineteen seventy when I created the Cobra Clutch that one day I would be, you know, the only living G.I. Joe character in its history. And I'm, and I use the Cobra Clutch and that's their enemy. You know, <laughs> it all kind of like uh, went, went in the right direction and still is. Well, you know, you're talking, you, you mentioned back to 74 and some of the, the, the time before the, the big run in, in WWE uh, with the Iron Sheet. You know, you were the U.S. champion, had an amazing feud with Wahoo McDaniel and, and you know, had the world tag titles yeah. with Don Carnotal in, in a great yeah. feud with Steamboat and Jay Youngblood that people 
you know, oh. still talk about. You know, tell us a little oh, bit about there. those days and what those were like. Well, I was just uh, I just did an appearance last night in Winston Salem, uh, not too far from where we had that uh, big match with Steamboat and Youngblood in that cage. And uh, number one, it was it was never done before. There was never a tag team match in a cage. Wow. That was one thing that nobody had ever seen before. And then uh, we had a special referee that uh, uh, nobody had ever seen referee before. He was uh, the uh, commissioner of, of uh, Mid-Atlantic, Crocker Promotion. So everything was, you know, new and, and different. And I kept telling, because we didn't have pay-per-view back then, and I kept telling Jimmy Crockett, what they grew up in New York when the Iron Sheik and I did the uh, the match uh, and Pat Patterson and I did the alley fight. Yeah. And I wrestled Bruno Sammartino. Those are the only three matches that I was ever in that sold out not only Madison Square Garden, but the forum next to it, which had a, a big screen uh, that you could watch the matches. If you couldn't get tickets to go inside the uh, MSG, you could go right next door and watch it. And so uh, I told Jimmy Crockett, I said, we should, you know, rent the building next to the uh, Green Greensboro Coliseum and, and put it on a big screen for those who that aren't going to be able to get in. He goes, you think we're going to have that many people there? And I said, I guarantee it. We're going to have a lot of people there. And of course, uh, after it was all over, I, I could talk to you for hours on before I got there, but I finally had to park my car uh, at a Seven Eleven and grab my bag and run up the hill oh, to the Coliseum uh, <laughs> because there was so much traffic I couldn't get to it. And it was already eight thirty, and uh, I was in traffic for like two and a half hours to, trying to get to the building. Wow! And so they they kept saying on the radio, "If you're going to the uh, Greensboro Coliseum for the wrestling matches and you don't have tickets, turn around." No sense going any further. So everything got jammed up, and so uh, later after the uh, the matches, we we ran into uh, the highway patrolmen, and uh, they said they estimated that seventeen thousand cars were turned away, not people. Wow. Cars were turned away from that show, and uh, I, every time I saw Jimmy Crockett up to the day he died and talked to him. He kept telling me, I should have listened to you, Sarge. I should have listened to you. Did that uh, that big screen, you know. But uh, who was to know, you know, because we only, you know, had a small region that we grew from in uh, Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, and a couple other states, Tennessee. But people wanted to see that match. And, and back then, there wasn't a lot of pre-sale. And as I said, no pay-per-view. But that started everything uh rolling the uh the wrestlemania and the starcade they all started they saw what had happened there and so they every year uh starcade would would do a match in greensboro coliseum and of course vince mcmahon the next year said hey i gotta keep up with that so i'm i'm gonna do the the wrestlemania and uh it, it was just uh something that you you don't think about but that was history making that uh, that match did that and we only had five matches on that card i mean that's that's how uh over it was and 
Ric Flair came to us uh, in in my locker room with Don Trenoble and I, and he said, "Hey, hey, Sarge, uh, Big D, uh, I just talked to Jimmy Crockett, and he said it's okay for me to go out before you guys." <laughs> and I said, you're the, "You're the world champion. You you have, you're supposed to go on last." He goes. I'll never be able to follow that match. No way. He said, I'm, I'm wrestling Greg Valentine. And everybody's here to see you guys. They don't really care about our match. So wow. that was that is... kind of a, a, a big achievement to have Ric Flair, you know, one of the greatest uh, performers ever in our, our business, come to us and, and say, can can I follow, not have to follow your guys? You know, it was a pretty good deal. Wow, that is unbelievable. Uh, Sarge, do you mind if we take a commercial break and then we'll come back and uh, we'll sure. talk to you a little bit sure. more here? Uh, of course, yeah, don't forget, sure. guys, Sergeant Slaughter is going to be at the Vegas Toy Show here March 4th and 5th at the Ahern Convention Center. You can go down there, get uh, autographs, photo ops with the Sarge. It's going to be a great time. So we're going to continue our interview here with Sergeant Slaughter on the Mark Hoke Show, so stick around for more. Brian and Joe will get you in here, too, because I'm sure you got some stuff you guys want to fire at the Sarge. We'll be back with more as a trip down wrestling history with Sergeant Slaughter here on the Mark Hoke Show. Tired of the same boring food when you're out for breakfast or lunch? I'm Mark Hoke, and I have an idea for a different place to go with unique food you're sure to enjoy, and that's Unique Eats. Take some time out of your busy day and stop on in to Unique Eats, featuring celebrity chef Dominic Tedesco and his friendly staff. Whether it's a great start to your day with one of Unique Eats' amazing omelets, or lunch with his incredible sandwiches, pasta, and award-winning pizzas, you'll be in for a fantastic dining experience that won't break the bank. Unique Eats also features a smoothie bar and full vegetarian menu as well. Plus, if you need catering, you can count on Unique Eats no matter what the occasion. So what are you waiting for? Get on over to Unique Eats at 3100 South Durango, Suite 100, open daily until 3 p.m. Call them at 702-992-3038 or visit UniqueEatsLV.com for their full menu and catering info. Break out of the same old routine and have a great meal at Unique Eats today. 1015 FM K-Don. You're listening to the number one professional wrestling radio show in Vegas. The Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. Now, here again is Mark Hoke. And we are back on the Mark Hoke Show, the best in pro wrestling news and entertainment from just around the planet. We like to say the multiverse in here, too, sometimes just for fun. You know, I mean, why not take over the whole thing? It's all good. But uh, we are on with Sergeant Slaughter. I've got Joe DeFalco, of course, and Brian Ronovich from the great Las Vegas wrestling scene dot com. Uh, and, and Sarge, you know, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about the the turn when you won the WWF championship. And, you know, we said we heard all the stories about the death threats and so on. What I'm more curious about is. What was that like personally for you when they came to you and said, hey, we want you to do this? I mean, how were you feeling about this? Because I could imagine it was probably pretty difficult to take that on and, and play that role. 
It, it was. I, I just came off of uh, GI Joe, uh, six years of GI Joe, and I uh, and, and Vince McMahon had a kind of a falling out because WrestleMania was starting, and when I left, and he didn't think I would leave. I, I brought GI Joe to him, thinking, "Hey, we got two entities." you know, wrestling and G.I. Joe, the real American hero. And he loved it, but he had just signed on with uh, LJN, and he said, I can't, you know, have you uh, working here and being with uh, Hasbro because it's conflict of interest. And he walked away and and thanked me for my hard work and thoughts of how I could uh, help the company. And I said, well, wait a minute, (laughs) you know, who's LJN? And Hasbro Bradley is the biggest toy, you know, boys toy uh, company in the world. Yeah. And he said, I, I understand, but I can't do it. And we kept going round and round and round about it. And finally, uh, one night, my uh, I was sitting at home having dinner with my wife, and she said, what is your problem? You've been kind of like lost. And I said, well, I got a decision to make, and I don't know what to do. She said, well, what's the decision? I said, well... Vince wants me to stay and do WrestleMania, number one. And he wants Hulk Hogan and I to wrestle uh, Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. She said, yeah. And I said, and Hasbro wants me to come work for them as G.I. Joe. She said, yeah. So what's the problem? I said, well, I don't know what to do. She said, well, the pretty simple uh, answer. And I said, "What? why is it so simple? She said, she said, Bob, you can always be a wrestler. How I, What opportunity do you have to ever be the first living G.I. Joe? I mean, I said, I guess you're right. You know, that's why you get the big bucks, honey. And so I called Vince McMahon the next day and gave him my notice. And, of course, that didn't set so well. And uh, he sent my notice. He, you know, he said, no, no. We'll work this out. Uh, can't you go after WrestleMania one? I said, no, they want me now. You know, so, so after you know, I was fed up with uh, with Vince and and the WWF at that time. So I never watched the show, and so uh, I got uh, uh, to but WrestleMania six, and I was at a hotel in Cleveland, Ohio, and I st- I got down doing a signing. And I saw it advertised in the hotel that uh, WrestleMania 6 was going to air. So I called down to the front desk, how do I get the pay-per-view on my phone and and everything like that. And uh, she told me how to do it. So I uh, called and I started watching the show. And Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior were on the, show, were the main event. And I looked and... I watched the show and I grabbed a uh, pencil and paper out of the drawer of the hotel and I started writing Vince a, a little note. I said, you know, dear uh, Vince, you know, I just watched your uh, WrestleMania six show. And I got to tell you, I give you a salute for production because that's the greatest production uh, show I've ever seen. Uh, you know, Hollywood has nothing on you. I and I put him over pretty big on his production because when I left, uh, uh, Mark, it, it was like a one or two camera shot. <laughs> Shoot. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm looking at 16 to 20 cameras in this uh, Toronto Maple Leaf uh, 
uh, Coliseum, you know, and, and it looked like a million people were there. And it was just incredible because I hadn't seen the show in six years. And so I, I just wanted to commend him on that. And then at the end, uh, you know, I signed it for me and put P.S. The main event, Hulk Hogan and the ultimate puke, P.U. I put big, two big <laughs> letters, P.U. So I, and I sent it. And so about two weeks later, I'm uh, watching an NASCAR race, kind of half dozing off, and the phone rings. Sarge? Yes, Vince. Oh, hey, Vince. How you doing? He says, I got your uh, note, and I want to thank you very much. We've been working very, very hard on our production, and and to hear it from someone like you that hadn't seen it in a while, and, and that really makes me feel good, and I just wanted to... Uh, tell you how much I appreciate that. And I said, well, not a problem. And uh, he said, so I see your uh, contract's over with Hasbro. And I said, yeah, funny you should know that. He said, that's my business, Arch, to know those things. He said, uh, are you ready to go back to work? I said, yeah. He said, well, I got an idea. I want to do WrestleMania 7, and I uh, want you to be involved in it. So I said, well, okay, I'll. I'll meet you. So I, I was living in Connecticut, and he lived uh, about uh, 20 minutes from me. So I told uh, my wife at dinner that, that night I'm going to see Vince McMahon the next morning, probably going back into the WWF. So uh, I get there, and it was like we never lost uh, a step. You know, he met me, and we had a uh, a coffee and he takes me in uh, into his library and he's got this prototype of the LA Coliseum 104,000 seat uh, possibility with uh, big screens and all this and he said I, this is Wrestlemania 7 and I want you and Hulk Hogan to sell it out and I said me and Hulk Hogan he goes yeah because I thought well you know he's going to take Sergeant Slaughter the real American hero out of G.I. Joe and make him the real, 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 real American hero the way Vince could do. And uh, he said, uh, I want you and Hogan to uh, sell it out. And I said, well, I think we could sell it out, but how are you going to make Hulk the uh, the villain? And he goes, Hulk, no, I want you to be the villain. Did you want me to be the villain? After, you know, coming off of G.I. Joe, he says, oh, yeah. He said, Sarge. When you left here, you were way bigger than Hulk Hogan. But since you're not here for six years, I've built everything around him. So he's huge. I said, well, I know he's huge. He said, so I think that uh, you need to be the villain. I said, well, how how do you want to do it? So he started laying out this uh, idea of, you know, the Iraqi sympathizer, right? I'm upset with my country because they let uh, – Iraq uh, overtake Kuwait and get all the uranium and, and everything like this. And the United States military is uh, not what it was, and I'm upset. And so that's the way we went with it. He said, wow. if, if, what do you think? And I said, well, I, I kind of like the idea. He said, well, go talk to your family about it because it could get a little rough. And I said, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's going to get a little rough. So that went home and told my wife about it. And she said, are you out of your mind? You can't be an Iraqi sympathizer. You're G.I. Joe. And I said, well, that's what he wants to do. She says, well, you've always done what's best for your character. You go right ahead and do what you got to do. 
she said, but don't tell you, don't say I didn't tell you so. You know, I said, okay. So I tell Vince, yeah, I'm going to go. So we start doing this real slow way of bringing the Sarge back. People didn't know if I was, what was going on with me. And finally, uh, Vince calls me up one Sunday night again and says, uh, a little change in plans. I said, what's the change? He goes, uh, the ultimate warrior broke Macho Man's hand last night in a match, and he can't wrestle for another uh, probably six, eight weeks. So I got to put you in his place because he got all these matches. Oh, and and Sarge, I, Sarge, I hate I hate to slow you down here, but we only got about a minute left on the show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah but, so anyway, oh. it, it was it was rough. You know, I I had the FBI come in, uh, ask me if I would wear a bulletproof vest. Oh God. Uh, you know, uh, do, do you really know how much danger you're in? But if we were so busy, I didn't didn't give it a thought. But you know, I had armed guards around my house for 24 seven for six to eight weeks, and and it was a rough rough time. But uh, just to to summarize everything up, I hope everybody can, can come come over to the uh, Las Vegas uh, toy show uh, coming up. Uh, Saturday, March 4th and 5th, Saturday and Sunday. And, and there's going to be a big uh, Hall of Honor dinner on Saturday night and a ceremony at 7 o'clock. But come on by and see Sergeant Slaughter and, and get your uh, uh, autographs, your photos, your T-shirts, your action figures, your posters, Funko Pops. And, and <laughs> while I've got them, I've got a limited edition of a Randy Orton, Sergeant Slaughter, Legend versus Legend Killer double pack that Randy has already signed. And, wow! Uh, you uh, happen to be a uh, a big, you know, wrestling fan collector. That's that's one of a kind. I only have so many of them, but I thought it was time to share that with the the true wrestling fan and collector. And I also have a Iron Sheik double pack where he and I are uh, in in the package together, and he's already oh, uh, signed. That's great. So a collector item for anybody that might uh, want to come by it. Don't uh, all right. this once in a lifetime opportunity to get all your Sergeant Slaughter wrestling and sounds, That sounds time. great, Sergeant. Hey, we got to wrap it up. We'll see you next week. Okay. You're just <laughs> more of the Mark Hoke Show. Follow us on Twitter at Mark Hoke Show. Like us on Facebook at the Mark Hoke Show, and visit MarkHokeShow.com to keep up with everything happening with the show. And remember to check out all of our archive shows on YouTube at The Mark Hoke Show and download our podcasts at markhokeshow.podbean.com and all your favorite podcast outlets. So join The Mark Hoke Show family today and thanks for listening.